Hello guys, and thank you for listening or watching another episode of Live Free Podcast, where I talk about living a life of freedom, rest, and expansion in Christ Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in. Listen, I have a word today from the Lord, and it is regarding the top three reasons why prophecies fail. He has given me, this is not an exhaustive list, you know, but this is the top three reasons why prophecies fail. And I think it's vitally important that we know this regarding the wealth transfer and regarding anything prophetically that God has spoken through someone or spoken to you directly. We have to be able to, to discern, not only hear the word, right? But we have to be able to discern uh, the spirit of God, which is the wisdom of God in which he's communicating to us, right? Because sometimes we know that when a word is given, it can either be spoken in season, out of season, it can be spoken too soon, it, it, it can be spoken at the right time, but have the wrong interpretation. And as a result, this word could, could potentially lead people astray. So it's vitally important that when we receive a word from the Lord, that we inquire of the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, and the understanding. The Bible says, in all thy getting, get understanding. So let's start right there. So let's start with number one. The first thing that he showed me with the reason why prophecies will fail is because of number one is misinterpretation. Let's look at the definition of misinterpretation. We know what it is, but let's just look at the meaning of it. Just get some more uh, insight on what God is saying, okay? So to interpret something, it simply means to interpret something or someone wrongly, right? To misunderstand, to misconceive, to misconstrue, misapprehend, a mistake, so we misinterpret sometimes when a prophecy or prophetic word is spoken, we can either, the person who's delivering the word can be misinterpreting what God is saying to the church or to the body or to the individual or to uh, the audience that the word is going to, or the person that is receiving the word could misinterpret what God is saying. So it's vitally important as leaders and as people that are speaking the oracles of God and speaking the prophetic promises and the words of God over people, it's vitally important that we have a accurate interpretation of what God is saying because a misinterpretation could lead to a disaster, a disaster. And then a lack of maturity in the leader that is speaking it could lead to a disaster, Right? So we have to have an interpretation of the correct way on which God is speaking something. This has happened to me. You know, when you're trying to interpret a dream, you know, that's that's a prophetic word from God. It's just in picture form. Or you're trying to interpret a word that God has given you, right? And you're trying to make sure that you're interpreting the word. Is the word first and foremost for the an audience? Or is this a personal word for you, you know, yourself? You know, 90% of the majority of the dreams that we receive and visions is for us. God is speaking to us. The Bible says in the book of Job 33 and 14 that he seals our ears with instruction to keep us from the pit. He didn't say to keep the people or the audience from the pit. It said to keep you from the pit who's getting the dream. So we have to first interpret is this dream or vision or prophetic word, is this for the masses or is this really just a, 
a word from me, but I'm projecting the word on the audience because I don't think God is telling me to repent. I don't think God is saying he's going to destroy me. Um, so we have to be very careful that first of all, the interpretation of the word is the right interpretation. Uh, is it for an audience or is it for you? Is the dream for you or is it for everybody else? So we have to be very careful because God, first and foremost, when the word comes forth, it comes forth to the person who's speaking the word, the leader, right? That word doesn't bypass the leader and go straight to the people. That word comes to us first, meaning that we have to be in alignment with what God is speaking through us, right? And if we're not, we need to repent. We need to get it right with, with before God. Or is this a word for the masses? You know, so interpretation is number one that he gave me. And a lot of people misinterpret because of a lack of maturity and a lack of authority. They not mature in the things of the prophetic or the things of God. So as a result, they think that every word that they speak is for the masses or they think that God is not correcting them. God is actually correcting them, which is the audience, right? So the, the we got to make sure we interpret that. Now, how do we interpret a word correctly? I'm glad you asked. It's by the wisdom of God. The Bible says that not only is the Holy Spirit the giver of the gift or the giver of dreams, but he's also the interpreter. So we have to make sure that we have the wisdom of God to be able to discern what God is saying. So what does... And then the Bible says, in all thy getting, get understanding. But what does the word understand mean? The word understand simply means to perceive the intended meaning of the words, a language, or a speaker, or interpret or view something in a particular way. I'm going to read that again. Understand means to perceive the intended meaning, not get the word and then interpret the word the way we think it's interpreted, but the way the Holy Spirit is actually conveying that message. So it means to perceive the intended meaning of the words, the language, or the speaker that is speaking with the right perception, with godly perception. How are we going to know that? We're going to know that through the wisdom of God, right? The Bible says in Proverbs 4 and 7, it says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And then here comes the understanding. And with all thy getting, get understanding. So wisdom means, the principal thing means, principle means first. That means first things first. Before we interpret a word from God, we need the wisdom of God to do that. And a lot of times, you know, even with the wealth transfer, even with people giving prophetic words, people will come forth and give a word, but don't have the accurate interpretation of what God is saying or the meaning of the dream can be misconstrued. You know what I'm saying? And it can be interpreted as something that God is not saying. And it's, and as a result, it leads everybody into not only a fear or a panic or it leads people, and that's and that's not of God. That's how you know when a word comes forth, but it comes forth with the wrong interpretation of it. It causes the 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 result of that is a is a spirit of fear or a spirit of panic or a spirit of anxiety that is given to the masses. And that's how you know it's, it was either interpreted incorrectly or it's just not God talking, right? So it's vitally important that we have the correct interpretation of what God is saying before we just run and give it to everybody else. 
And if we don't have the correct interpretation, I would implore you to just not say anything until you really fully have an understanding of what God is speaking. Now, sometimes God will speak things and it's in layman's terms and it's direct and you don't have to interpret or try to try to figure it out. But the Holy Spirit will give you the interpretation immediately. He will get, but still it's the Holy Spirit giving you the wisdom. He's still giving, giving it to you. It's not you trying to decipher if this is God, if this isn't God, is it for me or is it for the masses? So the Bible says in Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, right? And the Bible says in the book of James, if any man lacks wisdom, ask God and he gives freely. That's why before I get on here, when I'm in my prayer time, I'm continuously praying for the wisdom of God to be able to govern or to speak on his behalf to a beautiful people, right? The people of God, the body of Christ, the people that don't know him, that so they, they can see Christ and not me. So when I pray, I ask God for wisdom all the time. I'm always asking for wisdom because know that I can do nothing in and of myself, right? So I lean not to my own understanding, but in all thy ways I acknowledge him so then he can direct my path because it is a, a huge responsibility to speak on his behalf, especially to the people that he created, especially to especially to people that is getting to know him. It's people that is coming into the kingdom of God or people that wants to know Jesus. It's vitally important that we seek the Holy Spirit for the wisdom of God, for the understanding. The Bible says, get understanding, right? So what does it mean? Uh, what does the word wisdom mean? Wisdom means the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. The quality of being wise. And then it also says the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of the experience, knowledge and good judgment. It talks about that good judgment again. And then the body of knowledge and principles, wisdom is a principal thing, even Webster know that. The body of knowledge and principles that develops within a specific society or period, wisdom. So it's soundness. That's the word that keeps resonating, soundness. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So soundness of mind is directly correlated with the word wisdom, good judgment, right? So we need to seek God for good judgment, for good um, soundness of mind in regard to an application of experience, knowledge, or whatever he's given us to, to convey to someone else. So what does it mean, right? So misinterpretation of a word can definitely be a result of why prophecies fail. People are misinterpreting what God is saying, right? And then sometimes as a person listening to the word, you can misinterpret what God is actually saying to you through that individual. So you want to pray into it. You know, this is where tested spirits come in. This is where you praying into it and you praying and seeking God, Lord, if this is for me, give me confirmation or give me more clarity or insight on this. Everything is about a prayer <laughs> and deliverance, uh, uh, wisdom. Everything is talking to God. And, and, and this is ultimately leading back to having a relationship with God, right? Being in connection with him so that you can get your answer so that you can have that relationship where when it's not him, you can kind of sense when it's not him. Because I'm telling you right now. If you are not mature, 
If you are not in connection with Jesus, who is the vine, we are the branches. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you are not in connection with him, when the word is misinterpreted and it is projected towards you, that could be a, a, a huge disaster for your life and, and put you on a path that God never intended you to go on. Why? Because the person who spoke it misinterpreted what God was saying. That's why it's vitally important that you have a personal relationship because it has been many words that has come across the YouTube channel, has come across, you know, many leadership uh, people, people in the body of Christ, people in, you know, the workspace and the marketplace and business, you know, even in business when I'm negotiating contracts or when I'm, I'm doing anything in business relating to real estate or whatever, you need wisdom even in that because wisdom has helped me to be able to save thousands of dollars, tens of thousands and make tens of thousands. And that's vitally important. You need the wisdom. You need to be able to have that good judgment, the good soundness, and have a discernment of the person that you are interacting with. Just as you need discernment to discern the speaker or the prophet who has spoken the word to you to be able to discern if it's a word for you and is it really God speaking to you? Because I'm here to tell you there are false prophets, and I'm going to get to that. That's number two that are out here, right? Speaking what they saying, thus said the Lord is saying, and God has not spoken. God has not given them a word, but because they are flesh, right? The devil is a flesh devil. We have to know that. The Bible says witchcraft is a work of the flesh. Flesh, what does that mean? Emotions. You're tied up in emotions, Okay, you're tied up in, in popularity. You're tied up in if they got a lot of followers, if they got a lot of likes. You have to be very careful because false prophetic words, intentionally or un unintentionally, but I'm going to be speaking about the intentional false prophetic words that people know that they're speaking wrongly. They're giving out false words. The number two reason why prophecies fail False words, God says. The Holy Spirit says false words. God has not spoken. People even connecting it to their emotions. Why do I say emotions? You will sometimes even see people crying. I don't want to say this. I don't want to do this. But God is saying, you know, God doesn't operate like that, right? We have a weeping anointing that sometimes comes on us as prophets, right? Because we feel the heart of God uh, on a situation or, or, or of a word that we're speaking, right? And we feel the heaviness or the weightiness of it. But God doesn't, it's not a, it's not a tug of war with his words, right? His yoke is easy. His burden is light. It's not a tug of war. So when you see false words and people that are giving false words, uh, another uh, emotional um, red flag would be pride. So when the word is given and they are incorrect, they immediately go into a defense mechanism, right? Even though they know it's wrong. Because you got a lot of people that have given false words and they know those false words, those are false words that they're given. And they just keep going. They keep going. They keep going. They keep going. Sometimes the Holy Spirit can leave people, right? The anointing is no longer there and they're still running on without God. It's so many. And I go back to churches. There's so many churches uh, that don't, the Holy Spirit is not even in there, but they're preaching every Sunday and pe preaching people into an emotional frenzy right? 
because the motivation behind the false word is to get the uh, popularity, is to get the likes, is to get the money. There's always an end goal to the enemy and most importantly to lead people from Christ. False words can lead you away from God because what it does is if you never get the promise, if you never, the word never come to pass, it will have you to turn and you will have a bitterness or, a, or, a, or anger towards God. Even though you might not say, Lord, I'm mad at you because I thought you said this through this person and it didn't happen, that sometimes it can build up. And that's the goal of the enemy. The, the, the goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your relationship from with Jesus. He wants to pull you away from God. He wants to put you in unbelief. Why? I keep saying this. Why is why do he want to do this? Because he knows without faith it's impossible to please God. This word, God will not return void, meaning God is not going to go back on anything he says in this word. That's what this is all about. When the enemy comes to snatch, he comes to snatch the word from out of you. And so giving a false prophetic word or giving a false word, you know, it's people that have given words in this prophetic um, this prophetic uh, community, right? And on YouTube, uh, pertaining to the web transfer, giving false words, know that they've given false words, know that they misinterpreted what God is saying, even if they don't come on live or come on and repent about it or come on and say, hey, I thought the dates were this too. They'll never do that. You know, even though their actions dictate and their words are dictating that they really believe that that was the date. They they preparing and they doing all of this and they giving you words, but they never come back on to let you know that they didn't believe it, that they that they thought it was the truth too. But they'll never say it. But God has already shown me that in the secret place. He's already shown me they know exactly that they believe the lie as well. But they will never come back and tell you that they believe that lie. They will never come back and do that. Because why? Because pride has set in. Because they don't want their reputations to be ruined. They don't want to be looked at as a false teacher or a false prophet. Well, I'm here to tell you when you intentionally give false words to people and, or if you don't intentionally give false words, but you misinterpret it and you don't come back and correct that, that builds you up for the next dis, uh, form of deception for the enemy. So the Bible says that he who conceals their sins in the book of Proverbs 28, he who conceals their sins will not have mercy, will not be shown mercy. So you have to conceal, uh, reveal your sin, confess your sin so that God can show mercy and that you can continually flow in the things of the Holy Ghost, right? So it's vitally important. So that's number two, why prophecies fail, false words, intentional, unintentional, regardless, repentance needs to be a part of the process. Because unless you repent, what God is doing, the Bible says he examines the heart and he tests the mind. Let's go to the word test, right? Let's go to the word test. What does God mean when he says he's going to test something? Because there's a difference in being tested and there's a difference in being tempted. There's a big difference in that. 
So what does the word test mean? The word test mean, it means a procedure intended to establish the quality, performance, or reliability of something. So when you testing, when God is testing us, right? Because there's a difference. Now the enemy tempts us, but God tests us. And the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah that God examines the heart and he tests the mind. So God will send you a test, but that simply means, right? A procedure intended to establish the quality of something, the performance of something, or reliability. Can God rely on you? Are you really performing in the way that he wants you to perform in your gifts, right? In your abilities, especially before it is taken to widespread use. So God is going to test. He tests all the people in the body of Christ, not just prophets, not just evangelists, not just apostles, not just leaders. He tests the hearts and the minds of his people. Why? To grow us up and mature us in the word and in the things of God. And when that test comes, you either pass the test or you fail the test. And if you have not passed, you're going to repeat that process again. So what does it mean when we say tempted, right? The Bible says, you know, in the book of James, it says in 1 and 14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So in order to be tempted by the enemy, hallelujah. Oh, I feel God on this one. In order to be tempted by the enemy, you have to have that desire in you already. So no one can come and give you a false word if that desire is not in you. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. But what does it mean to be tempted? It simply means, according to Webster's Dictionary, to entice. Then the Bible just say in the book of James, the word entice? Or attempt to entice someone to do or acquire something that they find attractive, but know to be wrong or not beneficial. I'm going to repeat that. <clears throat> entice, the word tempted means to be enticed or attempted uh, to be to, or to entice someone to do or acquire something that they find attractive, but know to be wrong or not beneficial. My friend, uh, best friend. Uh, mom used to always tell us when we was younger and we used to hang out together, people that don't do what you do, don't keep your company. What does it mean? I'm going to give it to you in layman's terms. If you are an alcoholic, chances are all the alcoholics hang out together or they don't hang out with people that don't like to drink. If you're not into alcohol, if you're not into drugs, if you're not into certain things, you can't be tempted by it. Even though the opportunity will present itself, it will, you will have no desire for it. So if you're a weed head, you're going to be attracted to the being. I'm just, I'm just keeping it 100. This is how I see it. This is how God shows it to me. So if you are into things that other people are not into, right? You're not going to typically hang out with those people. So what did my best friend mom say? People that don't know what you do, don't keep your company. Which is why you see, even in school, all the honor roll students hang together. What we would call nerds, <clears throat> but I say intelligent. All of the things that people do in this world and things that uh, they have a desire for. If you're interested in a certain thing, you're going to hang out with the group that do that. If you have no interest for it, you're not going to be with the group that don't do that. It's just that simple. So you cannot be tempted or enticed with something that you don't have no desire for. The Bible says Jesus was, was, was uh, speaking and he said, the enemy is coming, but there is nothing in me 
that is in common with him. So when he shows up, just like when he showed up to tempt Jesus, Jesus could not be tempted when he said, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms in the world. He said, <clears throat> worship the Lord that God, worship God and God only Satan, get thee behind me. Why? Because when the enticement and when the temptation showed up, and why am I saying this? I'm saying this because when a false word is given, when a prophetic word is given, you can't be enticed or tempted by that word, right? Why? Because that desire is not in you. That's, that's just like people that are prophesying and have built all their whole ministry on Donald Trump. DJT is what they call him, right? 45. Built the entire ministry. This, this thing is supposed to be about Jesus. This thing ain't supposed to be. And then how you know it's demonic is when you disagree. There's anger, which is not the fruit of God's spirit. That's not the fruit of love. That's not the fruit of forgiveness. We can't control people's decisions. If God doesn't um, uh, make us choose him, choose salvation, which is the most important thing you will ever choose in your life. He, he gives us that free will to choose that. Then, then you can't get mad at somebody because they don't agree with you or because they have a different position politically. But how you know it's not of God is have built entire ministries on this. Instead of pointing people back to Jesus and the ministry being about how to walk with him and how to have a relationship with him and how to love people and forgive people and how to walk in your purpose, your destiny and your calling. And instead of that, they have made it about an idol, which is my next point. Ezekiel 14 and 4 says, Therefore, speak to them and tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in their hearts and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces and then go to a prophet, I, the Lord, will answer them in keeping with their great idolatry. So what is God saying in all of this? God is saying, and in, in this chapter, the prophet Ezekiel is speaking to the elders of Israel, right? And in, in Ezekiel 8, and God showed the prophet Ezekiel that the elders had hidden idols in the temple in Jerusalem. And they tried to rationalize such acts by saying that the Lord did not see them nor was present anymore. So basically, as the people inquire of the Lord, inquiring for a prophetic word, or they're inquiring of a prophet about the wealth transfer and all of that good jazz and anything that is going on in your life, God wants you to come to him first. He wants to have a relationship with you. And then sometimes that God will send a prophet or he'll send a word for confirmation. It's not always confirmation. Sometimes God will tell you something that you had no knowledge of. But sometimes, most of the time, it is confirmation. So as the people inquire of the Lord, then God will answer them. The answering of their request does not mean that it is going to be a favorable response. Instead, it is going to be a response of judgment. When they come before God in this manner, they, they become trapped and drawn to their own ruin. The judgment is that they will be given up to their delusions right? To believe a lie rather than the truth and to turn. And in turn, God will respond with righteous judgment, exposing the wickedness of the hearts. So it talks about that in Romans 1 that God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity. Likewise, in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 11 and 23, it says that God will send on them a deluding influence so that they will believe what, a, what is false. 
so that they all may be judged who do not believe in the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. So God will send you a strong delusion. God will allow, I shouldn't say, he will allow a strong delusion to come upon you, right? Or he will give you, give you up to the lust in your hearts or the impurity or go back to the temptation or the desire because you can't be tempted with something that you don't desire. If you don't like something, somebody can put something in front of me all day long. If I don't desire it, I'm not going after it. It's only when I begin to go after it that it was already in me to, to begin with. So that's why some people link up together because the desire, they both have the same desires. Case in point, the Bible says in Amos 3 and 3, how can two walk together except they agree? So when you have these false prophets and false words going forth, there's agreement in the spirit, even though they know they're getting false words or they have these desires in their hearts. The Bible says, how can two walk together except they agree? There has to be an agreement for you to walk with the enemy. That's why Jesus said, the enemy is coming, but there is nothing in me huh, that is in common with him. He can come all he wants to, but I ain't walking away with whatever he's trying to sell me. Why? Because there is nothing in me. I don't have a desire for what he's trying to sell me. Get it? So that's why we have to repent from, you know, these fleshly desires to be rich, the fleshly desires to run after the spirit of man and of money. We think money is the answer, you know, for every single thing in our lives when really Jesus is the answer. We can't get caught up in the, in the, in the, in the resource. We have to get caught up in the source. The source is Jesus because then what if he don't want to use cryptocurrency? What if he don't want to use the wealth transfer? What if he just wants you to get a business and he'll bless you through your business or he'll bless you through someone just sowing into your life or he'll bless you in another way. This is why even with Moses, when he struck the rock, you can't get caught up in the method in which God do things because God will change the method, but the principle remains the same. So the principle is the word of God. The word of God stands forever. It is never changing. It's not going anywhere, but the method that God would use to do things may change. He may use you. The Bible says he told uh, Elijah, go to this place called there. Your place called there may be in real estate one moment and your place called there may be in, in building in the next moment, right? Building, buildings and construction, you know? So we have to know what is our place called there. And it's for each individual to have a personal relationship with God to know this. Because if you're totally looking for the false words that are coming forth, you're going to be caught up and seduced into a strong delusion. It's called the spirit of seduction. It's called when you get wrapped up in the emotions of it, right? And we wrapped up in the people. We so wrapped up in liking the people that we can't separate the false word from the truth. And even when the truth is presented, we can't even see the truth because we are emotionally entangled with the yoke of bondage, with the yoke of feel good, with the yoke of emotion. Because I want to feel, 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 feel so good all the time that I cannot even stand a word of correction when God is trying to correct me. When God is telling me, this is not me, child. This is not me speaking to you. I can't even hear it because I'm so caught up in the feel good, right? So we have to be very careful. That is number two, the reason why prophecies fail for false words that God has not spoken. And if you are a person that is speaking incorrect words, you need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, repent. God is saying, repent. There's no condemnation. 
God says he's more worried about your eternal destiny and your eternal soul than your reputation. If your, your, your eternal soul is on the line, because the more we don't repent and the more we conceal, the Bible says when we conceal, there is no mercy. So we need the mercy of God, people. We need the mercy of God. You cannot overlook that. You can't say, okay, I gave an inaccurate word, but I'm not going to say that because I don't want them to think a certain way about me. But what people think about you, you're more concerned with your relationship with God and your eternal destiny is at hand. Your eternal um, um, salvation is at hand. So then the third reason he gave me why prophecies fail is conditional. Sometimes prophetic words are conditional. We're going to use the book of Jonah because people love this story, right? They use this for everything. But I'm here to tell you that a conditional prophecy, what happened in the book of Jonah, you know, is the fact that he was supposed to prophesy to the people of Nineveh, right? But instead of him prophesying, the reason why he did not prophesy is because he knew that God was a merciful God. Oh, and instead of him prophesying, he knew that the people would repent and turn and God would be merciful to forgive them and to not destroy the city in 40 days. But a lot of times we like to use this as an example when it does not even have anything to do with the fact that you uh, you gave a false prophetic word because the book of Jonah is simply about a people repenting, right? Because God is going to destroy something in 40 days, which has nothing to do with that's a conditional prophecy. If God is, uh, if you've given a word or, or date or you've given something, you know, you said that on this day, God is going to do this and this is going to happen on this date. That's not a conditional prophecy, baby. <laughs> that's not Jonah. Jonah is saying, okay, unless they repent, I'm going to do this. If you saying God is saying on this day that this is going to happen, you didn't say unless the people repent. Unless this happened, there was nothing that came behind that other than a date. So we need to stop pretending like we don't know what's being said and what God is trying to, you know, get across to us, right? So the third reason is conditional. Conditional, um, the word is conditional. So what does the word conditional mean? In the, in the dictionary, it says, subject to one or more conditions or requirements being met made or granted or certain terms. You ever see something that says terms and conditions? That's what that means. So if something has a condition on it, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, you know, then I, then if and then I will heal their land, right? There's an if and a then in there. That's a conditional prophecy. If they repent, I won't destroy the city in 40 days. Conditional obedience, conditional, right? So we have to be very careful. Conditional means subject to one or more conditions or requirements being met. There's a requirement. There's a difference in just saying, God is going to do this on Monday. You didn't say God is going to do this on Monday unless you do this. There's a difference. And God is very strategic and he's God. He knows exactly how he wants to convey something and say something. He doesn't leave it up to us to scramble and try to figure it out. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's saying. He's God. It's up to us to interpret it correctly. So conditions, obedience, right? So not following instruction or uh, a direct uh, or correct direction, right? Um, so 
We don't want to be, you know, um, one of those people that when God is delivering a word, that we walk in a fence towards the word or towards the thing that God is doing. We don't want to be like that or we don't like the way it's packaged. We don't like who the way somebody is saying it. We don't get to decide who God sends to speak that word, right? We have to allow God to be God. He can speak through a child. He can speak through a stranger on the streets. He can speak through your manager or boss. He can speak through anyone. He's God, a donkey. He's God. He doesn't answer to us. We answer to him, baby. So you don't, we don't get to decide because sometimes with prophecy, we don't like the way it's packaged. So we reject it because we don't like that God sent that particular person or he's speaking in a way that we're not really feeling or, you know, feeling it. So we look at God, look at the uh, heart, man, look at the outer opinion, uh, uh, appearance. So um, there's a difference between Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets. The Old Testament prophets, and these are things that he had me to write down, so I'm repeating it. The Old Testament prophets are prophets that uh, spoke, on God, spoke to uh, God on the people's behalf. Now we have direct access because of the blood of Jesus, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus is our mediator. We have direct access to daddy God, right? To the throne of God. We don't have to go through a prophet. This is vitally important. Now, why does this correlate with this? Why prophecies fail? Because if you go directly to God to get your confirmation or to get your word, that when a false word is presented, you immediately get a check in your spirit and say, hey, wait a minute, that's not God. Or wait a minute, let me take this back to God. That's why having direct access to God is vitally important that you have your relationship because that is why people are deceived and God allow people to be deceived. Why? Because God knows that if you really wanted the truth, you would have came to him directly. A lot of times when you tell people to test the spirit or you tell people to go pray about it, they just want it from the person. They don't really want to take the time to seek God. So because you don't study to show yourself approved, that's where the deception comes in and God allow you to be pulled in by strong delusion. You're, you're seduced. Why? Because you didn't even think enough of him to ask him yourself. You put the person that was speaking the word over the person who was the giver of the word. So then... There's a difference. Old Testament versus New Testament. New Testament prophets need to be pointing you right back to Jesus. Old Testament prophets were there to speak, you know, and to speak on the people's behalf to God. We don't live under that covenant. We're under the new covenant, right? With Christ Jesus. So God will answer you. I said this according to the idols in your heart, according to Ezekiel 14 and 4. He will give you up over to that idol in your heart, that desire that you have, right? What is an idol? Anything that takes your eye off God. If you're running after money, if you're running after prophetic words, if you're running after the, the man and woman of God, and you're running after that lie, he'll give you right on over to that lie to keep running towards it. Why? Because you have set them above him. Nobody should come before him. I don't care who's talking. Huh. I don't care who it is and what they title are. So that is the word for today, guys. That is all he has given me. And I'm going to uh, thank you so much for sewing. Thank you so much for uh, your kind comments. And just thank you so much for tuning in. And if you can, please subscribe to the channel and please click that like button so we can get that algorithm going and get, the, get me in the YouTube al algorithm. And I thank you so much. And 
The link is going to be in the description. Once again, if those uh, are interested in being mentored, uh, the date for the group mentoring is January the 19th. Um, so if you're interested, go ahead and sign up the link in the description and click on the, um, the one that says mentoring, um, the, yeah, it says mentoring, uh, the whole man mentorship. That is it. That's all. I love you guys so much. May God's face smile upon you. And until the next time, I will see you in the next video. Bye loves.